Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Today's scripture reading comes from Jonah, chapter 2, verses 2 through 6. Saying, I called to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the depths of the grave I have cried, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All of your waves and your billows passed over me. And then I said, I'm driven away from your sight. How shall I look again upon your holy temple? The waters closed in over me, and the deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet you brought up my life from the pit. Oh, Lord, my God. This is the word of the Lord. Um... I have no idea why the scripture was chosen today, Uh, but obviously it just hits perfectly in my life, and maybe in Zach's. Where'd you go, Zach? Maybe in Zach's. Uh, So about 12 years ago, we had a harebrained idea to go to Africa and just to take a group of people on just a regular um, mission trip. And so we went over there, and guess who was there? Um, God was there. And he let us in on a little secret of some amazing people. We made friends. We saw things that kind of messed up our hearts and minds for the church and the God that we thought we knew. And it just broke open a whole new place in our hearts. And so we have the best stories and the best friends in Zambia and we've tried to share those stories with you but honestly I just think you should all go with us because it's just not the same unless you're there so you're all invited um, to the next trip but today we have a special a special privilege and Gary and Penny and Josiah Seidel are here with us they've been our friends um, from Zambia for the last 12-ish years, and so we're super pleased that they're here with us to share. So help me welcome Gary Seidel. Well, thank you, Debbie. It is a joy and an honor. Greetings to you in Jesus' name. Okay, we'll get there. You know, when you're in front of a crowd, remember, and I know those who've been there, know when you come to our part of Africa, when you get up in front of a crowd, you must give a greeting. I greet you all in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And everybody says? Oh, now you're getting there. Yeah, everybody says amen. And that's what we need to do is give a greeting to one another in Jesus' name. It is a joy and honor, as Debbie was saying. Uh, When I come to OKC First, I know sometimes I'm like, okay, what am I going to say that they don't already know about our part of the world? Because uh, as Debbie was saying, it's been, uh, we're almost, what, 13 years from the very first team that came, and then, of course, the partnership. And what I want to say is thank you, church. Thank you for that partnership because of what God has already done, what he is doing, and what he yet wants to do. Amen? I believe that God is the God of the impossible. That's why I picked this text of Jonah. And uh, first, before I go on, let me just make sure I give you greetings from our Reverend Paul Matambo, our field strategy coordinator. I've got so many greetings, I'll be all day giving you greetings from district superintendents, from uh, Pastor Smokechewe, all these different people that uh, you as a team and church have either met or influenced over the years. And so I want to make sure I give those greetings. 
Um, but, you know, I was uh, recently, I was asked at a fairly large church to be a part of a series that they were doing on Jonah. And, uh, and here I was as a missionary going to come in and do a mission service, and they said, we would like for you to do Jonah, and we would like for you to speak on Jonah chapter 2. And if you already know that text, I mean, that is not really, I got to thinking, well, why would I as a missionary pick that text to talk about missions, okay? Because, um, but then I got to thinking, wait a minute, Jonah is a mission story. It is about God's mission. But Jonah chapter 2 is a prayer from the belly of a fish. And I will say this as I begin this morning. I have nothing, uh, you know, Zach, you were doing confessions early. I'll confess. I have nothing to offer you about what it's like to be in the belly of a fish. I mean, I don't have any clue. I don't have any comparisons. Maybe those of you who fish or whatever you do, maybe you'll have some insights here. I don't know. But, um, but I have no idea what it's like. I have no, nothing to compare it to. But I do know this. This story is about how we serve a God who can do the impossible. I believe that. I've preached that message over and over. How many believe that? You know, because we've had a tough year and a half, haven't we? And I know Penny will come shortly and share a little bit about the effects of COVID and all that. And I will say right now is the first time we're seeing COVID impact our area, like Zambia, uh, because right now everything is just going crazy. And uh, up until this point, we really didn't see much. And so certainly that's a prayer request right there alone. But you know what? As we think about it, sometimes we do find ourselves in Jonah uh, and Jonah-like predicaments, don't we? I mean, it's possible that we're running from God. It's possible that we've been thrown into the sea or some predicament. I mean, it's a tough situation like the belly of a fish. And I guess when I read this text, it's a great place to pray. Okay? Because when you think about it, and I mean, like verse 2, it says, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. And from the depths of the grave... I called from help. I called for help. You know, and then of course, over in verse 6, we see the answers are coming where he says, you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. What this tells us is number, a couple of things real quickly. What it tells us is, first of all, that God is everywhere. Amen. He is everywhere, even in the belly of a fish. The second thing is that God can hear your prayer no matter where you are. Doesn't that give us hope? That no matter where we're at, what our circumstance, God is there. And so, as I think about the Jonah story, it is God's mission story. So, what I want to do is I, I reflect back on how God has been working in our part of the world, in Africa, in the heart of Africa. And I've come, I know, here many times and shared story after story of how God is working through different people here in the heart of Africa. People like Francis Banda. Now, the story begins by a letter, and I've shared this story many times, a letter that the district superintendent of the Zambia South District called me in to read. And I remember as I read this letter, it's a Jonah-like story for me. Because as I began to read this letter, it started out by saying, I hope I'm writing to the right people. That's a great way to start your letter, just if you want to take notes here today. I hope I'm writing to the right people. And I began reading this letter, and this gentleman was saying, I'm reading this magazine about this church, about this holiness church, and, and I'm telling you, if you are the right people, we want you to come to our village. Please come. We need this message. Please, we need this hope. My, my people in my village need to hear this message. I hope you're the right people, he said. I asked the district superintendent, I said, I said, have we been to this area of the church? He goes, oh, no, we've never been in those areas. And at the bottom of that letter, it said, the man said, the, ma the magazine I'm reading is called Herald of Holiness, which is an English magazine that we do not send to that part of the world, okay? 
Now here's where, the, where I got to thinking, wait a minute. How did this English magazine that we don't send to that part of the world, and as a matter of fact, it hasn't even been published for a long time. It's called Holiness Today, I think now. Uh, and, and it got sent, somehow it made its way out to this remote village, and here is a man who can read in English, because we have 72 languages in Zambia alone, and it's a wonder that it made it out there. And here's a man in English reading the magazine, then decides to write a letter and starts it by, I hope I'm writing to the right people. And this letter he sends off, and somehow it makes its way to an office, the right place. And we're reading this letter. Can anyone explain how that happens? With God, all things are possible. Well, I didn't give much thought about that, and time passed, and as uh, Penny and I, we teach in the Extension Education Program. Right now, I have about just over 400 uh, men and women who are in the training program in Malawi, Zimbabwe, and Zambia that are preparing for ministry, and some of them are in Jonah-like predicaments. Uh, Let me tell you, they are dealing with some very difficult situations. Uh, I could go on and on about that. But we had this student, his name was Francis, uh, and he came in to, through our course of study, and he calls me up one day, and he says, Reverend Saito, I need to talk to you. And he, I said, well, come on over, Francis. And he came over to my house, and, and uh, we went out in my office and sat down, and he began to tell me that God was speaking to him about going to eastern Zambia. Could been a call, it could be called Nineveh. But he says, God is telling me to go, And I said, well, when are you going to go? And he goes, I'm going to go next week. And I said, wait a minute. You haven't finished your course of study and all that. And we need to make some preparations and plans, don't we? And if God's telling you to go, we need to know what's going on. And he says, no, God's telling me to go. I must go next week. But he goes, that's not what I came here for. He says, I wanted to come and see you because I am afraid to go. I'm afraid to go. Which I've said this many times before, the greatest hindrance to the gospel is fear. I saw that on the, on the earlier statements. You know, fear is what keeps us from just simply crossing the street, simply going across town, simply going to some place where God says go, and we say, huh? <laughs> I don't know, God. You sure you got this right? I mean, we're afraid. We don't know what to say. Something may happen, whatever. And so we just don't go. And I know that even as Debbie's saying, come on the next team to Zambia, some of you are like, ooh, Africa, I don't know. Look, I used to be a rock and roll drummer. I know some of you can't imagine me with long hair, but use your imagination. I had long hair. And I used to play a nice Gretsch drum set similar to that. And and, uh, and I remember, um, hey, <laughs> I mean, if, if God could deal with me, <laughs> you know. And I remember when I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I was 21 years old. And, uh, and, and, and immediately God began dealing with me about being a missionary, okay. And I ran from God. Because I thought to myself, if I say yes to being a missionary, he will send me to some place like Africa. <laughs> How silly was I? Because let me tell you, when I got to Zambia, like, like Debbie was saying, awesome people, God doing amazing things in very difficult situations. And I think back to those days when I was resisting God, thinking, wow. God can do the impossible if we will allow him. And so Francis was in there. He was saying to me, he says, I'm afraid to go. He says, would you pray for me, Reverend Seidel, that I would have courage to go? And I remember that day as I laid my hands on uh, on Francis and I prayed with him that that God would give him courage to go. I mean, I really didn't think that I was doing very well praying because in my mind I'm saying, Lord, would I go? Because where Francis was going to go, there was no church, there was no house or parsonage, there's no salary, there was nothing there. But he was going to be willing to take his family, his children, whatever, and take off and, and wherever God is saying go, and there's nothing there. 
And here I am praying that God would give him courage to go. Well, the next week he took off. And of course, uh, several months went by. We heard nothing from him. Six months, eight months. And, and I kept asking the district superintendent, we have, where's Francis? Because you know what? Where Francis was going, he said to me, you know where I'm going? I will face opposition. And you know what I'm talking about. You've heard the opposition to the gospel around the world and what's happening to brothers and sisters in the Lord in some places. And I was getting concerned and, and, and we couldn't, he didn't have a phone and we couldn't find him and whatever. And it was really, I was just like, I cannot believe it's been eight, nine months and we have heard nothing. Finally, the district superintendent calls me up and he says, Reverend Seidel, he goes, Francis is here in my office and wants to see you. And I said, he's here in Lusaka. And he goes, yeah. And I said, I'll be right over. Went over there. And I remember I went in and Francis was in his suit and tie looking pretty good. And, and uh, I said, hey, Francis, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, we're fine. And, uh, you know, and I said, well, your family and everybody's okay. Yeah, sure, Reverend, we're doing fine. Now, you know when you're concerned about someone and then you find out that they're okay, Right? And they haven't been in touch with you. What do you? What's your next thing after you find out they're okay? Hey, you know we've been trying to get a hold of you. We've been concerned about you and all this. And he says, "Oh, Reverend Seidel, I just want you to know that we have nine new churches we've started over here." He says, "I've come back to let you know we've got people to baptize. People want to join the church. We've got to train and equip leaders. Can you come?" I said, "Yeah, we'll come." Well, we got him a phone, and I called him about two weeks before we were to go and meet all these new people and, and all that. And I called him up and said, uh, Francis, I'm ready to come. And I said, just any last-minute instructions? And he says, oh, I forgot to tell you that the day that you're going to be coming, that Sunday, you'll be speaking at our new church there called Magazine Church of the Nazarene. And I said, uh, Francis, what's the name of the church? He said, Magazine Church of Nazarene. Now, most of our churches that are out in our rural areas are African names, you know, Napunwe and Chipongwe and these kind of names that some of us here on teams are very familiar with. And Magazine, well, I, you know, I remember I hung up and it just started hitting me about that letter years before because where Francis was going and where he was working was right in the middle where that letter had come years before. When we got out there, we met all these new people. I mean, there was a big crowd and they were singing and happy and dancing and whatever. And, and, but the first question out of my mouth was, Francis, where am I speaking on Sunday? He says, you're speaking at our new church over here called Magazine Church of Nazarene. I said, okay, I've got to ask you, how did you get that name? He says, well, you know the British. They used to have a fort out here. It was called Fort Smith. I said, yeah. He said, well, outside the fort area, they had an ammunition factory where they made magazines for guns. I said, oh. He goes, so they know that area over there as magazine. And today, you can go visit Magazine Church of the Nazarene. It's there, and it's a vibrant and alive. I mean, they've got a beautiful choir. I mean, about a 20, 30-member choir. Oh, man, they are awesome. You need to go visit there. Magazine Church of the Nazarene. God can do the impossible. And just because of someone like Francis who was in a Jonah-like predicament. Because see, God had to deal with Francis in the same way as Jonah to overcome our fears, our prejudices, or whatever it is that's keeping us from where God wants us to go. That is what God is doing. You know what? We're seeing in Africa God doing amazing things. We are now the largest region in the Church of the Nazarene. But think of this. 75% of our members, of people in our churches right now today, were not there 10 to 15 years ago. 75% were not, that are there today were not there in the last 10, 15 years. That is how fast we have grown. When we arrived in Zambia uh, almost 20 years ago, we were assigned to the southern part. There was only 25 churches in the entire southern part of Zambia. Okay, and, uh, and today we have like 600 churches, okay? Can you imagine 
This is what we call Book of Acts movement. You know, the God of the Bible is still the God today. The stories we read in the Bible, for me, my Bible came to life when I went to Africa because I began to see how God could work in amazing ways. And I'm telling you today that God is the God of the impossible. Just like in the Bible when we read like in Luke chapter 1, when an angel told Mary for when she's going to have a baby, he says, look, nothing is impossible with God. Or when Jesus was kind of arguing with his disciples and, and they didn't quite understand his teaching and he says, hey, with man this is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. It's amazing that I could tell you so many other stories about how God is working through people. Like another Francis. This is one of our district superintendents. You, maybe you remember the story I told you, and some of you know this story, where he was, called, was asked to go to a church in northern Zambia called Nachanga. Nachanga. When, 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 his, when the people around him heard that people were asking him to go to Nachanga, they said, no, 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 no. You go to Nachanga to die. That's what they told him. Nobody goes to Nachanga. But Francis went to Nachanga. He packed up his suitcases, his kids, or his wife and his new baby. There was three of them. Got on a bus, headed to Nchanga. Got there late at night. Nobody there to meet them. Had to find their way to the church parsonage. When they got to the church parsonage, it was turned into a chicken coop. Welcome to ministry. Your first job assignment is clean the chicken poo away. Put down a blanket. There, the wife, the baby, you sleep there. And your first night in ministry, you get to sleep with 300 chickens. Welcome to ministry. Sounds like a Jonah-type story, doesn't it? But guess what? Nachanga became one of the strongest churches on the Copper Belt District. The Nachanga Choir became one of the most popular choirs in that part of Africa. But after he built that church, then God said, go to northern Zambia. We're going to start a new district. Not a church, but a district. And so he took his family and went up to northern Zambia where there was hardly anything. And here is a letter that I just got from him a couple weeks ago, an email. Let me tell you what God is doing in northern Zambia. He says, Reverend Seidel, I just wanted you to know that Reverend Matombo and I have met key leaders in Kasama, and we have leaders coming, and he lists a whole bunch of towns and villages. He says their cry is that we need to train them and start classes. As you can see, he goes, this area is about 800 kilometers from the district office. 800 kilometers. Now, I don't know. That's about 500 miles. So I don't know. What is 500 miles from Oklahoma City? 500 miles. Huh? Maybe Atlanta, Georgia? I don't know. What would be 500 miles? Okay. I mean, that's how far it is to go from the district office to where these churches are, these new places. And he says, God has opened up doors in the Machinga province as we see new churches opening up each month. And so there is a great need for us to train and equip, he says. Now, I get an email like this because I'm in charge of training and development, and I'm saying to myself, where are these churches? Where are they located? Because sometimes you can, they'll say, right there they are, and there's not even a dot on the map where they're at. And there's no roads. And you're thinking, Lord, how are we going to get there? But with God, all things are possible. And so, as a matter of fact, we just had a Zoom meeting. Yeah, we're using Zoom now. Uh, you know, COVID's made us use technology a lot too. And so, we had a Zoom a meeting with our, our field personnel there, and uh, they were telling us about how COVID now is starting to impact us in a negative way in our area. And it was interesting that our district superintendent says, please pray for us. We're struggling. A lot of things are happening. And then right after, he says, so let me give you a report. He said, I just want to report that we've organized five new churches and that we have five new preaching points. This is a DS who says we're struggling. 
Do you get it? God is doing the impossible. And let me tell you, even in a pandemic, God can do the impossible. My prayer personally has been, Gary, don't let the pandemic become your Nineveh. Because we serve a God who can do the impossible. Penny's going to come and she's going to share just a little bit uh, about a few updates and things, also some things that are happening with, uh, with COVID and others. So come on up, Penny. Good morning. It's great to be here with you again in Oklahoma City. We are always excited when we know that we're coming to see you all. And it's uh, just wonderful. And I, too, bring greetings in Jesus' name from everyone there in Zambia and the different districts and leaders. Everyone is excited. Um, So most of you know, you know, we've been there in Zambia a long time. And so you know a lot of the things that we do. I work with children's ministries on our field, which is the Africa Southeast field made up of Zimbabwe, Zambia, and Malawi. And so I'm training districts and churches in Christian education and children's ministry and those types of things. And it's so exciting to help them to see how to minister to children. And another area that I help with is in Zambia. I help coordinate for Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, the child sponsorship program, sponsoring pastor's kids to go to school. And we've had a lot of children that have gone through high school, through grade 12, and even we've had some that are able to go on and to do other things and get different kinds of education. We have two of our pastor's kids are now policemen in Lusaka. And so that's exciting. And we have some nurses and we have a nurse that you guys have helped support so that she could be trained. And um, so we, we are excited that our pastor's kids are able to go to school. Now we have about 300 in the PK program through Nazarene Compassionate Ministries in Zambia alone. And that's, that's exciting to be a part of that and helping them to see that they can go to school. Um, so you know, Gary mentioned that we've had some effects of COVID there in Zambia and on our field. We've had a lot of things happen, the same as you. We've had lockdowns and wearing masks and hand sanitizer. And it's exciting that our children's development centers, what they did because they could no longer meet was they created kits and took them to the children's, the homes of the children from their centers. They gave them hand sanitizer and soap and masks so that they could keep them safe where they're at in their community and their families. So that was a creative way for the child development centers to continue ministering to the children, even though they couldn't be in personal contact with them and having them come to their churches. And we also had um, a young couple that had just moved to Zambia. And they were working for the region in communications and video and these types of things. And their job was going to be to travel all over Africa and get the stories and video stories and hear what's happening and how God is doing the impossible and all these things. And so we were excited that they were going to get to live in Lusaka. And so they got their work permit just in quick time. And they came and picked out an apartment and were getting it furnished and all set up and Um, in February, they said, well, we need to go back to the States and and do some more fundraising. And we're only going to be gone a couple months. Well, that didn't happen. (laughs) As we know, all the travel was shut down. And so they were delayed and delayed and delayed. And we kept contacting them. When are you guys coming back? Are you going to be able to come back? Are you able to get your flight? And so it was finally decided between them and World Mission that they should stay. In California. So they, they gave the approval for them to come to Lusaka, sell off their stuff, and come back. So we lost a, a great <laughs> video team that we were looking forward to meeting with, to working with this young couple and seeing how God was going to use them to tell his story. So that happened. And, but we did have some positive things. 
Um, in, our, in Lusaka, some of our churches were actually using their cell phones to stream their services on Facebook. And so even us, we were the first few weeks, you know, we were at home watching our church service on Facebook. And so God was helping us to see different ways to use those cell phones and to use Facebook to get his message out there, to preach his word every Sunday. And so that's exciting that we were able to do that. And we began to hold our leadership meetings through Zoom. And we've even used our WhatsApp um, on our phones and we're communicating. And pastors were sending messages and preaching, um, sending videos out to their churches and Sunday school lessons and things through WhatsApp. And so that was a way, a positive way that we could keep people growing in their relationship with the Lord. But one of the biggest areas, since we've been here with you all, it's been since, what, 2017? The last time we were here? Yeah. So one of the biggest um, things that has happened in our ministry is we now have a new ministry called Orality. And this is where we are telling the story, God's story, and we're using his scriptures and we're teaching people God's story and to grow in their relationship with God. And we're teaching them even scriptures are being recorded as songs and put it on people's phones and they can share these stories and they can share the songs with their friends and people in their communities. And so it's, it's a big thing that's happening. And we even, so for some of you tech people out there, they've even, they have a, desi- a device that's like a, a Wi-Fi hotspot that they take into the market and they sit it down and turn it on. And so if anybody is browsing to see where they can connect to, they can connect to that device. Now, they're not going to get to go to Amazon and buy anything, but they will see the Bible stories in their language, scripture songs in their language, and this is a way that we are using to tell the story, um, training people to share freely because we are in an oral culture in Africa, and they love to tell stories, so why not tell the greatest story there is, the story of Jesus Christ and his love for them. And so that's what we're doing, and we've even included in our um, Sunday school uh, literature for this year, every lesson has an orality page where we can, if they want to just share the story and answer questions according to the story instead of, you know, the regular curriculum, this is, this is what we're doing. And it's a very positive way to get God's message out there to people. And um, right now, I think they're going to play a sample of our theme song for our orality um, I'm telling that story of Jesus, telling it in my words. I'm telling that story of Jesus till everyone has heard. Till everyone has heard. I'm telling the story of Jesus. I'm telling it in my words. As you know, the greatest challenge when you have all these languages is how do you get God's word into their language? And it's so, people are so excited when they hear the, the scriptures in their own language. Now, we have another sample because what we're doing is our, our team is taking just simple Bible verses like James chapter 1, verse 22, and we're just taking these little scriptures and we're turning them into songs into their own language so it helps them to memorize scripture. Okay, now here's an English sample we'll play here of James 1.22. Jonah needed to hear that, right? When we hear God's word, when he speaks to us, is we simply do what he says. And so you can see those are simple. Now that's in English, but we normally would do it in the languages of, uh, that are familiar there. So that's a new ministry, and we are excited about what God is doing using technology. I know some of you are saying, oh, you got cell phones in Africa? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can find a smartphone, you can be in a remote village, there may be grass huts even and whatever, and people come out with their cell phones, okay? And so we're tapping into that technology, 
And uh, it's really exciting how God can do the impossible, work in ways that we can't think, because his ways are above our ways. And we know that, that he can do things that we can't even think or fathom sometimes. I want to close with a story uh, that I, I've shared many times, but it's a story to me. It's a Jonah story again. But it, it, I remember when I got to go with the first Jesus film team. Uh, we have 15 Jesus film teams showing all over Zambia right now. We have them, and they're still, it's a very, still a very valuable tool sharing the gospel of Luke and going out and, and sharing in these remote, sometimes very remote areas. And uh, I was all excited because I was a pastor before I went to the mission field. And I remember seeing these reports and I was going to get to go firsthand. And so I got to go with the team with Benson Matwa. And I know some of our team members know Benson there. He's now at Kenyama. And, uh, and so we went with the team and I remember we drove about 12 hours to get out to this location. And at that, and that day, the roads were not very good. It was very rough driving and Got out there, and, uh, and that next day we went out about 3 o'clock in the afternoon to a soccer field because everybody knows that soccer is the main sport of Africa, and so you find soccer fields almost everywhere. And we went out 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We started setting up the equipment, you know, and uh, probably within about 30 minutes we had about 200 people already gathered. By about 6 p.m., that entire soccer field was filled from goalpost to goalpost. And I mean, I was looking at this, I'm like, wow, this is just amazing. No advertising, no announcements, no radio, no newspaper, whatever. We just started setting up, and within about a few hours, we had about a couple thousand people, okay? And so they started showing the Jesus film, and I'm just looking this whole thing over, and I asked the team leader, I said, uh, I said, hey, I, I know you got to fill out those reports and give numbers. I said, how do you count all these people? And I remember the team leader says, well, tonight, Reverend, you are going to count. I said, no, I want to know how you do it. And he said, no, 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 grab your, your, your flashlight, let's go. And so here we went around this soccer field, and the only light in the area was the dim light coming from the screen, you know, and, and, and I remember as I'm looking at this screen, looking at this soccer field, I'm just like, I mean, the people are just packed in watching this film. And I'm, I'm trying to see 500, 500, I don't know, 500. Uh, and, and as I was trying to get my numbers figured out, I, I remember the grass around there. I, I could hear noises and things. And I took my flashlight and shined it back into the grass. And I could see people looking back at me. And I'm like, wow, there's people all through here. Went down to this end of the soccer field. And I remember there was a row of big trees down here on this end. And I took my flashlight and shined it up through those trees. And you could see people had climbed up that they were watching the Jesus film. Went down around to the other end of the soccer field, and I was trying to, again, get my numbers figured out here. And as I was looking, I could see these buildings a short distance away. And I could, as I got to looking, you could see that the roofs of those buildings were completely filled with people who had climbed up on the roofs, and they were watching the Jesus film. So I asked the team leader, I said, now, am I supposed to include the people in the grass, in the trees, and over on the roofs and everything? I mean, there were people everywhere. And he's like, oh, no, Rev, let's just, let's just count the people right here on the, on the soccer field. And I'll tell you, I never did give him a number. I don't know how. It would just have been a pure guess at, at, you know, at best. I never did give him a number, but I know this. When they gave an invitation at the end to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I remember by the hundreds, all directions, people coming in. They had some people down there with tablets. They were writing names, getting information so they could do follow-up the next day. And I remember those, they were writing. There was actually queues, lines of people waiting just to give their name that I have received Christ as my Savior and I want to be discipled. That Sunday, I had the opportunity to preach in one of our new churches there. And of course, most of our, our, a lot of our churches meet in little school classrooms, and I know some of the team members who've been there know what I'm talking about with these school classrooms, and it was packed, and I preached, and as we got done, we just gave an invitation to receive Christ, and people came up, and they were knelt down on the concrete floors. Uh, we didn't have alders or anything, and, and as we finished praying, I kind of went over and sat down back in my chair in this corner, and as I looked back over there, 
over here was a woman who had knelt down, and she and our team leaders had gathered around, and our and and our district superintendent, and they were praying for this woman. And I mean, it was getting louder and louder and more intense. And I'm like, man, what what's going on? And the district superintendent he jumps up and runs over to me, and he says, hey, Reverend, do you know what's going on over here? I said, well, no, I'm not sure. But before he could say much, this woman, she jumps up. You could see tears coming down her cheeks. In her language of Chichewa, she began to tell that she was a devil worshiper and that the devil had told her specifically to come to this location and do whatever she could to destroy this church that was coming into the area because we don't want that church here. But God had a different plan because that day, she met Jesus as her Lord and Savior. As a matter of fact, six months later when I went back to do follow-up with this new church, I remember the music was already singing. They were already playing and everything. I walked in. I looked up there. Guess who was up front as the song worship leader? I said, Pastor, I said, isn't that the devil worship lady that was here? And he goes, oh, yeah, let me tell you, this lady is on fire for Jesus. He says, because how God has worked in her life, he says, this entire area knows her story. He says, people are coming into our church all the time because of her. She's on fire for Jesus. And then it makes me think, how many people, I wonder, passed that woman who said there's no hope for her There's no way I'm going to Nineveh. No. I wonder how many people, how many who who thought that woman is just too far gone. She's a devil worshiper. She would never get to Jesus. Is there anyone that you know of, anyone in, in your community, anyone in your family, somebody you know that seems to be so far from God you think it's impossible? I want to tell you today, God can do the impossible. Don't lose that hope because that's what the mission of God is all about. And that's what makes a story like Jonah a story that can still speak to us today. When it seems there's no hope or it's impossible, God is able. Well, thank you for letting us share about what God is doing. You know, we have a table in the back back there. When you get done, make sure you go check out the table. There's prayer cards you can pick up to remember to pray, not only for us, but pray for Zambia, pray for the Africa Southeast field. And uh, there's other things back there. There's CDs. There's all kinds of things you can look at. But let me just say this. Thank you so much, uh, Oklahoma City First, for your prayers and your supports because everything we share is not Gary and Penny. It's our story together. You know what I mean? And so I just again want to say thank you so much for letting us share. We're going to close with a video so we can start that video. May God bless you.
Gary and Penny, thank you so much. And we are so grateful that God has allowed this story to be intertwined with our story. And as we conclude these moments with the preaching moment, we want to have an opportunity for us to participate in something that binds us together as the body of Christ across an ocean. And that's the Eucharist. And so I think I see some folks gathering for those of you who may not have one. If you don't have bread and cup this morning, please get attention of someone. I think Jeremy is over here and I think Kristen's right there. would love for you to go ahead and make sure you have this little bread and cup. And bread and cup does unite us across an ocean to be the family of God. And we are so grateful that this morning we get to join a God who can do the impossible. A God who can, who has come to us as gift for one another in Oklahoma City and around the world to bind us together as a body of Christ who's defined as the beloved people of God. And so it's a joy for me as one of the pastors here to gather in this place and to offer a few prayers of this moment, a moment that we believe God communicates his grace and love to us, which is what Gary and Penny and so many of you who love Zambia throughout these last 13 years have done. And so let me offer a prayer as you prepare these moments together. For those of you watching online, we hope that you've come by the church and perhaps gathered one of these. And so I know some of you are making do with some of the elements you have at home. But in a few moments, we're going to partake together. But let me offer this prayer in these moments now. And so Jesus, we do gather, perhaps across the world, there may be friends even in Zambia watching now this special service. And so across time and across space, we gather Jesus to worship you because God, your hope is what gathers us and binds us together. And so God, we ask that you would bless these elements and transform them into a very means of grace for the transformation, for the forgiveness, and for the blessing of our lives and for the world. And so on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it and gave it to his disciples. Take, take and eat, do this in remembrance of me. And so now church, if you wanna go ahead and peel that little cellophane wrapper apart, prepare that bread, Church together, let's take and break and eat. And on that same night, Jesus took the cup and redefined it as a new covenant of his blood given for the remission of sins. And so church, we gather. And now if you want to pull that back, we will take. And together, let us now partake in the blood of Christ together. how you respond to that, but my whole body got chills. For Jesus, we have gathered in this place and in this moment of prayer, ask that you would transform us by your grace to be people who can live into this vision that Pastor Gary has given us today, that you can do the impossible. You can do the impossible in our lives. You can do the impossible in our neighbors. You can do the impossible, as Jonah taught us, in even our enemies. You can do the impossible here and around the world. And God, it does seem impossible that for 13 years you have allowed us to be ministry partners and friends with the Seidels. And so God, in these moments, I ask that you would bless Gary and Penny that God, you would bless their work and you would give them perseverance and strength and a strong sense of your presence. That God, you would surround them with your love and your grace and equip them as they equip and lead and teach and develop and train and change the part of the world, God, where you have sent them and their family. And God, we pray that you would bless their family. That God, you would sustain and surround them in so many significant ways. And God, just like almost every week out loud as we pray for Zambia, we pray for people like Smoke Chewe and like Paul Matamba. And God, we pray for pastors around this region that you have placed upon our hearts. And God, my prayer right now is that you would continue to call people to go into this new place. And so God, in this moment of prayer, as people perhaps have been drawn into this story, would you begin to prepare their way to just in a very short time, join teams as they gather back in Zambia together. God, we ask that you would continue to allow us to live into this dream that wherever this week or this month or this year, we see the impossible, 
God, you would allow us to know that, God, with all you, with you, God, all things are possible. And God, would you burn that into our hearts and into our dreams. God, we take a few moments in intercession to ask that you would take care of a few situations. God, we do pray for Zambia. We pray for places like Cactus, Texas. We pray for some of our friends around the world who are serving. God, we ask that you be with people in Toronto and all the mission places. God, we also want to take time on this very Independence Day and this holiday that you, we pray for the United States of America. And God, you ask that we would be a hope and grace as a church for our nation. God, we ask that you would take care of a few folks that we know and caring about. God, we pray for Frida Human who hopes to make it home this week. God, we ask that you would love and bless and be close to her and to Gerald especially. God, we ask that you would continue to be with Angela Adams as she continues to recover from this bone marrow transplant surgery and hopes for full healing from her leukemia. God, we ask that you would touch her. And no doubt, church, you've come into this place or you're watching online and there is one particular situation in your life which you cannot handle on your own. And so whatever God has placed in your heart right now, whatever situation, whatever person, whatever situation in our nation or the world, whatever that is, would you take that to God as Zach plays just for a moment? God, in these moments, we give all these things to you, for you are a God that through your spirit can do the impossible. God, it's our prayer that you would transform us into your very image, and in these moments, church, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together, something we do each week, and it should be on the screen in front of you, either here or at home, and we ask in these moments, God, that you would transform us as we pray this prayer. Let's pray together, church. Our Father, who art in heaven hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.